Hey everybody, it's Chris. If you're a sports fan like me, or you're just a fan of a great story, you gotta check out Press Box Access, a sports history podcast hosted by Todd Jones. Todd sits down with fellow sports writers who experienced firsthand some of the biggest sports moments of the past 50 years, and they share some of the stories behind the stories, some of which they've only told to each other. What I personally love are the wild stories that you might not hear so much about on SportsCenter over the years. Like when Indiana-based sports journalist Bob Kravitz recounts the time Bobby Knight showed up naked to an office meeting with him and then banned him from the Hoosiers' locker room for the next three years because Bob wrote a story he didn't like. Or when Alexander Wolfe tells a story about going out on the town in Chicago with Dennis Rodman and Carmen Electra in the middle of a Bulls playoff series. Or when Dan Wetzel talks about what it was like to be in the media room when Temple basketball coach John Chaney stormed into UMass coach John Calipari's press conference after a game and threatened to kill him. These wild and fun stories, paired with stories about real sports greatness, you know, like the 1970s Steelers being the greatest NFL dynasty ever, or the legendary rivalry between Larry Bird and Magic Johnson, and even the impact of protests for social justice issues in sports, make Pressbox Access a show you should check out. Pressbox Access is part of the Evergreen Podcast family, and it's available all the places you get your pods, and you can also find Pressbox Access on YouTube. Go check it out. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey everybody, I'm Chris Fafalius, and I'm the producer of Chris Makes a Podcast and the host of the One Hit Thunder Podcast. And I'm Matt Kelly, host of Horror Movie Night and the producer slash the head of content for the Geekscape Podcasting Network. Between the two of us, we have, believe it or not, 25 years of podcasting experience, and we want to help you start your own podcast. We know podcasting, and we want to share that knowledge with you. So whether you're new to podcasting or you want some feedback on your currently active podcast, we want to help. Or perhaps you're just overwhelmed with all of the editing work. Well, we can help you with that also. You can check out our website at weknowpodcasting.com for more information. We're excited to help your podcasting dreams become a reality. In 1983, Matthew Wilder decided to take his career of singing commercial jingles to the next level. Through battles with his original record label and some assistance from someone tied to the Gambino crime family, he broke into the Billboard Top 10. Over 30 years later, the song is finding a new life thanks to TikTok, and we're going to decide if that's a good thing with the help of Roots of Creation's Brett Wilson. I pride myself as a guy who knows his 80s music. And of course, I know Break My Stride, but you could have given me 
a thousand guesses and I wouldn't have been able to tell you that this was Matthew Wilder who sang this song. Did you know this was Matthew Wilder? I do only because my band covered it so long ago. I had to look it up and I was like, I had only known the chorus from what they call the fancy word interpolations, right? Right, right. Uh, of the song made famous later. Um, and I had no idea who wrote it at all. But I believe it is my favorite one hit wonder. It's a good one, man. I got to say, this song's, an, this song's a jam. And it's one of those songs that just inexplicably comes into my head. <laughs> just, I don't know why. Maybe sometimes if I'm running or I just feel like I can't, <laughs> if I feel like I can't be stopped or something, this song is just baked into our brains. And it's, it's kind of like what you said. This song is just there it just exists this is one of those songs that has always existed i think since the dawn of time for some reason i don't know this melody and in this message it's a great message though when i started to learn it because i only knew the hook and i was like this this is going to be great guys we're going to cover it we started to learn the other parts and i was like ooh, i don't these other parts it's almost like he wrote this hook and he's like man the producer came in they're like we got to write some other stuff and they're like okay let's write some stuff real quick to match the hook it's very strange the way it's composed in terms of musically. For me, it's a little bit disjointed. It's like the hook is like awesome. And then it's like so cheesy. The other parts are like. It, it's like he got into the studio and it's like, what is everything we can do that is exactly what's popular right now in 1983? Like what is, <laughs> what is the most, what are the most 1983 things that we could put in here? I'm talking instruments. I'm talking style, everything. And we have to get into the lyrics because you would think, right. <laughs> you would think that <laughs> this song would be about some, I don't know, story of overcoming some obstacle in life or something like that. But that's not really what it is. It's, it's, kind of nonsense <laughs> which we, we, we can start right there because it it, it, it goes like this <laughs> first verse last night i had the strangest dream i sailed away to china in a little rowboat to find you and you said you had to get your laundry cleaned didn't want no one to hold you what does that mean and you said, ain't nothing going to break my stride. <laughs> like, I don't know. I would have never guessed in a million years that that would have been the first verse either. That If you would have gave me, yeah. I think that's one of the best, worst rhymes ever of all time. China and find you, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I would say that's a serious stretch. It's, it's a slant. It's a slant rhyme, as I tell my, my children when we talk about rhyming. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so Matthew Wilder, being a solo artist, didn't have to run these lyrics by bandmates or anything. Cause I, I can't imagine coming in with like, guys, I got the first verse. Here we go. I, I sailed away to China in a little rowboat to find you. I will say that Matthew Wilder's story is kind of inspiring. Did you look into Matthew Wilder's story at all? Like how he came no, to I be? Was, I would love to hear about it. I was more delving into the fact that I had no idea when I picked this song to talk about that it is now entered the Billboard Top 100 because of a TikTok challenge. Really? 40 years after coming out in the 80s. Yeah, so there's these TikTok challenges where you text song lyrics to friends or boyfriends out of context. So people started doing that with Break My Stride and Matt Wilder adored it, loved it. So much so that he released a lyric music video this year composed of just the screenshots that people had posted 
on TikTok to do the entire lyric video for. It's amazing. It's impressive what TikTok is doing for the reemergence of songs from the past. There, it's amazing. Like the songs that I'll see little kids. I saw Danger Zone recently was one that yes. got a reemergence from TikTok. Yeah, I mean. People got to be psyched about it. Yeah, Matthew Wilder has to be so psyched. <laughs> yeah, he's checking his mailbox every couple months now. He's going to be checking his mailbox to see how his checks have changed, I believe. Oh, hell yeah. As long is. as he had a good deal. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. who knows? We don't know. We don't know the story there. Maybe he's banking on playing shows or something. But his origin story is, you know, kind of inspiring. He was in a folk group. Matt and Peter, of course. <laughs> I don't know who Matt and Peter is. But uh, <laughs> he was doing commercial jingles in the late 70s. And he did some backup vocals for Bette Midler. So he wanted to make this album. He signed to Clive Davis's label. I was reading that. Yeah. He couldn't find a producer who wanted to create the sound he wanted, which was apparently the most 1983 sound possible. <laughs> so he self-funded his own album, man. That's how you do it, right, Brett? Really? He did? Oh, yeah, he did. That's how we do it. That's amazing. He's a trailblazer. Yeah. So here's the thing that's awesome about this, right, is that he wrote the song, and he said that the song is inspired by how frustrated he was that the label kept shooting down all of his ideas for this song. So he was just like, well, then screw it. I'm going to record it myself. He took it back to the record label, and they said, that's not a hit. You're worthless. We're going to drop you. But because... And only because he paid for his own recordings, the record label couldn't keep the recording. So he could take Break My Stride wherever he wanted. Like, you two are musicians, and I'm yeah. friends with a ton of musicians where, like, you record a bunch of songs for a record label, and they might say, we don't want to release any of them. And no matter how good you think those songs are, they own them. But because they didn't pay a penny for that song... He was able to take it somewhere else and make it a hit. That's amazing. What jerk in 1983 <laughs> heard this song, heard that chorus, and said this isn't a hit? Maybe they didn't make it past the verse. They yeah. heard the verse, and they were like, no. That probably is. They probably made it to China and find you, and were like, nope. <laughs> They're like, no. They're listening to the radio later and like, oh, we should have <laughs> we should have let it go to the chorus. We, we gave up so early. One of the more bizarre sentences I've read on a Wikipedia page, though, is that he takes this song to another guy, Joe Iscro. I'm going to assume is how this is pronounced. And this is verbatim what Wikipedia said about him. A man who had a long history of questionable activities in order to promote and chart certain songs. <laughs> <laughs> I wish they'd be more specific. So apparently he... He took this song to radio stations. Chris, you should just try this in Pittsburgh, apparently, because apparently it works. He just took it to radio stations and were like, you're not playing Break My Stride? It's already one of the biggest songs in America. And they're like, oh, shit, we got to get on that. <laughs> <laughs> what radio stations were falling for that? That's, that's actually hilarious. Well, there's no internet. So yeah. how did they research? They just took his word for it. I don't think that that's really very questionable. I think that's just... <laughs> I think that's just creative. I love that. I mean, that's intriguing. It's not. It's not like he did an. He pulled an airheads and like and like stuck them up. He just. What communication technique is that? He manifested it. Yeah, he read the secret. He created the secret. Is what he did. I love it. That's almost as inspi as inspiring as Matthew Wilder. I love that strategy. <laughs> You're not playing Darkest Dark by Punchline. What are you guys doing? Are you kidding me? It's the biggest song in America. So I did a quick research on this Joe Escrow guy just to kind of figure uh -huh. out what the 
questionable stuff was. So I'm not going to go through his whole wiki page, but I'll read like that first two sentence summary that they give you at the top of the page. It sounded like a Webster dictionary for payola. Yeah. Well, yeah, no, that's it says uh, American former record producer and a reputable soldier for the Gambino crime family. Oh, my God. In the 1980s, he was the center of all of the investigations for his role in payola in the music industry. So he was like wow. the guy that started the concept of payola. Wow. <laughs> so is this guy like a Sopranos character who's going to the radio station is like, what do you mean you're not playing Break My Stride? I'll break your fucking nose. <laughs> he was prosecuted for 57 counts of payola-related offenses, including rocketeering, mail fraud, money laundering, and obstruction of justice. Wow. In 1990. Dude lives in Philly now, though, so we can get him on the show. Maybe he can help me break some of my records. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll hire Joe Iscro. Hey, the thing is, here's one thing about payola. I've heard payola. I've heard that word a lot. I just assumed that that was something that, yeah, of course people were paying to get their songs on the radio. Of course people were making money. Like, I never assumed that that wasn't a thing. I always assumed that that was something that just happened already. You know, like, I assumed that some millionaire's kid wrote, like, an average song and paid someone to play it. Didn't you guys always just assume that was something that happened? That's like when all the, when the college stuff came up recently about, like, the celebrities giving giant donations to the colleges so their kids would go. I watched that whole documentary. I, bi I binge watched it. I did too, but I was like, yeah, none of this is shocking information to me. <laughs> like, I assumed that when I was in college that most of the rich kids there were there because of the parents. The, the crazy thing about that was the side door. We all, we all knew about the back door where you, you pay a bunch of money and you build a building and whatever and, and you get extra consideration. But that documentary with the, the side door was like this whole. I guess I'm new assuming concept. this side door is not paying a college directly, but paying somebody for some way to cheat on tests to get into those colleges. Basically, there was like a guy that was like making a living taking money from rich people, giving it to coaches and other people that worked at the staff, at the staff at the college for a definite yes to the college. And they would be put on fake sports teams like. A regular guy who liked to skateboard would be in water polo and he'd be photoshopped into a water polo thing and his wow. whole thing would be fabricated around this and then he'd go to school and it was crazy stuff. I agree with you. I always thought growing up, I always thought that just you had to pay the piper. But what I learned as time goes on is it's like almost like politics where you have a lobbyist, aka promoter, and they're promoting or lobbying your song, just like the people that are Pfizer reps that are trying to get a drug off the ground, they can't pay the doctor to prescribe the drug. But what what happens if they just get a, a, a Hawaiian vacation right. in their mailbox? Right. That's how I assumed it kind of went along where it was kind of like, right. but I think the payola is like, here is this money. <laughs> Here's a... <laughs> I'm going to play this song. Right. I mean, I once again, like, I'm glad, I'm glad people are getting called out for it. I'm, I'm glad that Aunt Becky has to serve some time for doing some shady stuff. But once again, I just assumed that this is the kind of stuff that happened in capitalism. I'm not saying that it was right. I'm just saying that I was shocked that people were right, shocked. Yeah. Who's shocked? Yeah. Who's shocked? I'm not shocked. <laughs> I mean, they were, they were outraged. This is America. And you know, that's typically what happens with everything. It's so. not, it's not that the best <laughs> stuff, if the best stuff is what we were listening to, it'd probably be some, someone we didn't know who's playing at a, corner bar playing on the street somewhere who's actually singing about their 
serious emotions and what they're going through. And it's probably the most beautiful, heartbreaking music you've ever heard in your life, you know, but like, no, we're going to hear whatever some rich person <laughs> paid, you know, for their kid to be famous. Or, right? What I notice about the pop music, just because I, I have an eight year old and a three year old and they are always wanting to hear the viral hits, the top TikTok, whatever's, you know, going on. I guess it was always this way, but specifically now is like every type of music ever mashed, <laughs> you know, together. There might be, you know, some trap drums on a country song. And there might be some country guitar on a trap song. And there might be a 70s or 80s funk backbeat and whole production to a pop song. To me, it's like they're utilizing almost every genre. It's just a matter of is the artist polished, good looking enough to have the record label or the team behind them, all that kind of stuff. And then, you know, the songwriters, you know, how many are there? Did they all work together in a boardroom to create the perfect, you know, smash hit. But it's it's very interesting on how all the genres are kind of mishmashed together. I do miss rock and roll. I say this all the time. If you listen to hit songs back in the day, there was always a guitar solo. Yeah. <laughs> There's one on the Matthew Wilder song. You know, it's just a quick one. Like, and that's been taken out of everything. It didn't have to be a long one. You know, it didn't have to be like Almond Brothers or right. The Dead or ACDC. It, you know, a, a, a short, you know, 15 second guitar solo. That was like part of the song. It was like, you know, intro, verse, chorus, verse, chorus, guitar solo, bridge. <laughs> yeah, yes. like that was actually yes. like a part of the song. Yeah, I know, I know what you're saying. And I know that. At some point, man, I I don't remember exactly what year it was, but I remember being in the studio and realizing that moment where it's like, wait, no, you don't do guitar. (laughs) Guitar solos aren't part of a song. Grunge may have killed killed it a little Hmm. bit. Kind of off topic, but kind of also makes sense with everything we're talking about. But I've been reading a book that's just been like absolutely warping my ability to think about anything cognitively right now. And it's a book that Chuck Klosterman wrote a couple years ago called But What If We're Wrong? The concept of the book was talking about things that we love right now in whatever year we're living and what parts of it will be remembered as important 200 years from now. And like the examples he was giving was he's like, name someone who writes marching band music and every single person is only going to think of John Philip Sousa and no one else. But like John Philip Sousa was one of like hundreds of people who were making marching band music. But like as the people who grew up when that music was popular all died out for some reason, his was the only one that persevered. You might be sitting there thinking like, all right, the 90s is going to be remembered for like Nirvana, say. But like for all we know, like a hundred years from now, there could be like a Daniel Johnston resurgence. And all of a sudden, Daniel Johnston is the only thing that people remember as like this, what the 90s were. And it might not even be like an accurate snapshot of like the decade that we grew up in. But like 200 years from now, that's like what people are like. Yeah, everyone was just like these sad, weird guys playing guitars and pianos and singing poetry out of tune. (laughs) 200 years. 200 years is a long time to think ahead in the future. Well, because the the thing was that everybody who was alive when it was happening has to have died Ah, out. I got you. So that there's no one to be like. No, 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 no. That wasn't what it was. Like, you have to have, like, that much of a gap. I don't think Break My Stride will, will be the song of the 80s. Dude, I mean, it's it's persevering, man. 
we're here. That's what I was just going to say. It's like you stay in the game until everybody else is is out. And then you're the one that, that is the torchbearer, I guess. Yeah. I guess I never should give up. Then. No, you <laughs> never should. Yeah. I mean, apparently not. Matthew Wilder's stride is still going. It's not broken. You know, he's here. He's here now. He's on TikTok. He made it. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I'm not going to lie here. I've become a factor fanatic lately. I'm a busy guy, and getting to eat restaurant-quality meals that are ready to heat and eat in two minutes has been amazing. Eating better is easy with Factor's delicious, ready-to-eat meals. Every fresh, never-frozen meal is chef-crafted, dietitian-approved, and ready to go in just two minutes. You have 35 different options to choose from every week, including Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. And also, there are more than 60 add-ons to help you stay fueled up and feeling good all day long. I've been spreading the word to everyone I know, not just here on the podcast, but in person as well. Factor is the perfect solution if you're looking for fast, premium options with no cooking required. You get as much or as little as you need by choosing your meals every week. Plus, you can pause or reschedule your deliveries anytime. And the math doesn't lie. Factor is less expensive than takeout. Plus, considering every meal is dietitian approved, it's also nutritious and delicious. So what are you waiting for? Get started today by heading to factormeals.com slash one hit 50 and use the code one hit 50 to get 50% off. That's code one hit 50. The words one hit and the number 50 that is at factormeals.com slash one hit 50 to get 50% off. I'm going to have to try that challenge myself. I mean, if I did, it's a great opening line for a text. Last night I had the strangest dream. <laughs> that would leave me wondering if I got that. Who's, you have to wonder who was like, because I know that it had to have started with like someone in the age group of 12 to 22. Who was the person who heard this song and was like, yo, I'm going to record myself texting this, these lyrics to a friend and I'm going to put it on TikTok and it's going to catch like wildfire. You never know what's going to catch on there, man. I, I watched some kid just go in people's ears and go, like just make this noise in people's ears and and watch their reaction and get real mad at him and it's like the most popular thing ever on on TikTok. I don't even know what that word means. It just goes it just goes in people's ears. It goes. Sounds like Teletubbies. You said you cut. Co- did you cover? I haven't heard your cover of this. Did you cover it in Roots of Creation? We didn't put it out into the universe. You know, as a touring band, you know, growing up in the Northeast uh, jam band scene you know, reggae rock band, we mix in, you know, the jam stuff, you know, it was looked up to some of the Northeast jam bands like Fish and, you know, smaller bands, and they were always putting covers in and out of their sets so that if people traveled around to say five shows, the shows would be different because the jams would be different. And the originals, you'd never recreate a set list, which made us bring in different cover songs here or there. So that just happened to be one that we, you know, for a run, and I, I remember playing it in Hartford, Connecticut, and everybody was rocking out. They were loving, loving it. And I was just like, I can't believe I'm playing this verse. I can't believe I'm talking about rowboats. Yeah. This is so strange. Everybody's just waiting. They're just like, 
And there yeah. it is, the chorus. <laughs> hey, I mean, the song itself, when I listen to it, I'm like, I can't believe I've never heard like a, a reggae or ska version of this. The rhythm just lends itself so much to that. It's almost like a new wave version of reggae itself, like the original. For sure. So, I was checking out when they released a 12-inch, according to Wikipedia, there was a dub version of it on the, the opposite side of the 12-inch, of the which I would love to find somewhere. Oh, you mean Matthew Wilder actually did that version? Yeah, because the UK, that type of music is like is big. It's part of sound system culture, dance culture, whatever, yeah. much more than here in the US. So there, what, there is a dub, dub version, whatever that means. It's a titled dub version. I don't know if it's just a a version with some echo or whether it's kind of a remix, mm-hmm. but it's somewhere. According to the article that I was reading, they're estimating that Little Nas X may have been the originator of this Matthew Wilder challenge somewhere. So we'll have to research that. That dude just does it all. He just, <laughs> man, he knows the culture, man. He's a, he's a trendsetter. He, know, he knows what's up. It's funny, I'm never really a fan of his songs, but I'm a fan of everything else about him. Like every, everything, everything he does, I think is cool. I think it's funny. I wish I liked the songs more, you know, but I know eventually I, he's going to put out a song and I'll be like, oh yeah, I like that. Everybody seems to do that eventually. I, no, no matter how much I dislike an artist, like, yeah, eventually Justin Bieber put out songs I liked, <laughs> you know, like eventually, eventually everybody who's popular, I'm like, ah, shit. I like that. I'm a, I'm a believer. I'm a believer. He has some jams. The dude's a complete moron, but I just I can't I can't deny some of the songs, man. I just can't deny it. My daughter's really into him and and so is my girlfriend, so I watched those little mini documentaries that he put out before the last record and those were kind of fun to just see inside of his life and it'd been so long since he put out a record. So if you check those out, it just seems like anytime I watch some sort of documentary on somebody, I end up liking them. It's yeah. like it's a win-win every time. Like I just watched the, I never listened to Master P at all. And, you know, I like DMX, but I, you know, obviously he wasn't doing too well. So I, I delved into these documentaries on BET that are about Rough Riders mm-hmm. and uh, Master P, No Limit Records, to just show the history of making something huge out of nothing. Like, I totally respect Master P. I tried to listen to the music on Spotify and I couldn't really. Some of the songs were cool, but the production value is just not where I was like right. wanting it to yeah. be. But like, I have to remember that it was from 80s and 90s and he was just trying to pump out as many songs as possible. And just he had this huge vision and the music was only a a piece of it. Yeah, I don't know. Who knows? Maybe the the 90s will be remembered for uh, DMX. Maybe he'll be the at this point in time, be the he had a lot of hits. Sad to see him go. I played a little acoustic gig at a bar like music slowly coming back in a live setting. And they're like, what about a DMX song? And I was like, shit. I know the Rough Riders anthem on guitar, so I played it really quick, and the whole place exploded. And this is not like a regular club. Like This is like the Elks Lodge. Like They're smoking cigarettes in there. They're probably the age of 40 to 65, and they're just like the whole place is like, stop, drop, shut them down. And I'm like, what the fuck is going on? (laughs) Yeah, I mean, so – you think about all the the hits that dude had. Yeah, it's that was a sad one, man. When we had AOL Instant Messenger, I was CMX. I was CMX Punch on there. <laughs> we actually sampled DMX on a punchline song called Express back in the day. We sampled a what? Was a heavy riff? It was like yeah, it was like a what? Yeah, it was like he's an influential artist, and and you are right, Brett. In the 
when you, it doesn't matter who the artist or band is, when you watch something like a behind the music or some sort of documentary, it's like impossible to not be a fan unless that person is just the biggest asshole ever, you know, like otherwise <laughs> it's always come out like at least kind of liking the artist. Once you hear their story, where they come from, it's, it's kind of hard not to love them. The song, for some reason, the one other song from this time period that it keeps making me think of was uh, Blondie's cover of Titus High. Like, I feel yes. like it's very much in that same, like, reggae, new wave sound, but, like, yep. definitely isn't something that you would put into, like, that second wave of ska reggae that was happening in the 80s. Like, it was very much, these are not reggae artists. Right. These are artists doing a reggae song. For sure. Like, little elements of it. I was reading that actually Heart of Glass was originally a reggae song. They were like, no, 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 no. That is not going to cross through the pop charts. And they, they sped it up into this kind of disco kind of feel. I'd like to hear that original recording of the Heart of Glass. Hey, did you guys know the Matthew Wilder Kids American song? The uh, His like second biggest no. hit? I totally feel like i know this so i listen to this i'm like i know this i i know i know this and i didn't know honestly if i actually know it or if it just sounds like so many other things at that time can you play it can we just listen to it right matt, now matt in the episode play a clip Yeah, I didn't know he had another top 40 hit. Yeah, like hit number 33 or something like that. But I swear I know it. You know, I was looking at what else was popular at this time, and it is just nothing but hits. Nothing but hits around this time. Break My Stride peaked at number five in January of 1984. It came out in 83, but it hit its peak in 1984. And at that time, when it hit number five, number three at that time was Karma Chameleon by Culture Club. Number two was Say, 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 Michael Jackson and Paul McCartney. And number one was Owner of a Lonely Heart by Yes. So this is some pretty stacked wow. charts right there. He wasn't uh, Matthew Wilder has to be pretty psyched about getting getting up near Michael Jackson, Paul McCartney, Boy George, and Yes all were above him at that time. Culture Club mixed in a little bit of the reggae here and there, yeah. too, as, as, as far as what I've listened to stuff. They all come, kind of maybe them and Matthew Wilder kind of imagine them being like in like the UK kind of UB40 kind of like they're kind of all delving into that. Those J Jamaican influences in, in England. Yeah, man. How good is UB40, by the way? I can't say that I know any UB40 originals. <laughs> that man does the best covers. They're the best cover band of all time. You know what? You might be right, man. Guys, it says on Spotify that. Wilder produced No Doubt's multi-platinum debut, Tragic he Kingdom. He did. Yes, he did. That... He actually did a lot of production work and some pretty what? big names. 702, Christina Aguilera, Kelly Clarkson. He did some music for Miley Cyrus. He even wrote some songs for Miley Cyrus in the Hannah Montana TV series. How crazy is it? That's actually something that I almost forgot about. I read that before we did this, but I can't believe I almost forgot about that. Tragic Kingdom alone, that means that Matthew Wilder had a hand in Just a yeah. Girl, 
Spider, spider webs. webs don't speak uh sunday morning that's actually pretty impressive that's crazy i mean yeah and like break my stride i mean the uh, for me the reason i know it is you know from puffy like quoting it back in the in the 90s and then me searching like where what is this from you know and then modest yahoo quoting it later in one of his songs i haven't listened to the remix like supposedly there's a remix somewhere because it's so popular right now i'm starting to realize that matthew wilder is a bigger part of the musical landscape than i would have ever thought because think about this guys he had this hit and then then a second like (laughs) we don't know if it was a hit or not but anyway break my stride huge song we're talking 1983 84 ish in the 90s he produces all these albums including I mean, Tragic Kingdom has to be one of the biggest albums of the 90s with all those hits on it. He didn't just produce one song. I was just checking out like he did. He was the producer of the whole album. Yeah. So he made his mark in the 90s. He was involved in this Disney movie. When did Mulan come out? Uh, 98. Okay. So that's late 90s. He has, you know, Puff Daddy, Modest Yahoo, people sampling his music, referencing his music. You know, that has to be late 90s, early 2000s. Now he's back again on TikTok in the current form that people are finding out about music. This dude, not to mention that he was in some sort of duo that we didn't know, but from the 70s, a backup singer for Bette Midler. I mean, the guy has definitely uh, made a crazy career of lots of twists and turns. Yeah, maybe he hasn't been Matthew Wilder, guy who sang Break My Stride, the whole time, you know, like that hasn't been his claim to fame the whole time. But from producing a giant album to being part of a Disney movie to being part of a current huge thing in music in TikTok, I mean, the guy has staying power. No doubt about that. Yeah, I mean, I, I just I can't believe all the things that I've learned today. And just the fact that he's done all of these things, it's like. I might be calling Matthew Wilder up and seeing if he <laughs> wants to produce something for us. I was going to say, if you Dude. if you hit that Kickstarter goal, which you're here to promote, yeah, maybe yeah. your push goal should be to get Matt Wilder to produce it. We're just going <laughs> to throw the whole thing at him. <laughs> how, much pay, how much payola for Matthew Wilder? We need to know. We call, need a price call tag. Call up your old friend. Call up your old friend. <laughs> Joe Iscro. Joe Iscro will get, God, get you. guys aren't playing this new Roots of Creation record. It's already number one on every clear channel station. If you put Joe, a Joe Iscro level on your Kickstarter, that'd be pretty badass. I want to know how much it is for a Joe Iscro level. Yeah. Hey, Brett, what, when's the Kickstarter end? We need to know. What, when, when's our last Okay, day? cool. So we launched the Kickstarter maybe about a month ago, and it's about to end very soon i will tell you it ends at midnight on the 21st so 11:59 on the 21st technically the 22nd and we are at 95 percent of our goal so we're really close and if we hit our goal this album dub free or die our first self-produced album uh will be put out we're really excited about it the support has been amazing we lost our budget obviously because we haven't been able to tour or, or or do the merch sales. Luckily, we have amazing fans that have kept our record label, which we run, and our band from going bankrupt because we have overhead like any business through online live streams and our, our merch sales. But it hasn't been quite enough to keep creating stuff. So we wrote a bunch of material and we got to spend time with our family and we're grateful for it. But we're ready to put out new music and eventually hit the road. And 
if we go past our goal, we're going to possibly make uh, Grateful Dub, a Reggae Fuse tribute to the Grateful Dead Volume 2, which people are really excited about, and uh, maybe some more uh, lyric-based music. So we're excited to get a lot of stuff out there, yeah. So for those of you who are listening to it the day that it releases, and I'll drop this a little earlier than normal, you have until the end of the day to get on that Kickstarter and make a donation. So (laughs) there's never been a time like right now (laughs) to go do it now the link is in the notes (laughs) regardless of when you listen to this because i don't know if everyone's going to be listening to it the day it comes out but regardless of when you're listening to this check out roots of creation my buddy steve had said before i even knew you were coming on the podcast like a month ago or more steve sent me your music you guys are great and thank you so uh, much i think people are going to enjoy it if you're 95 percent of the way there i feel confident you're you're gonna get there it's like an a plus it's like an a plus at school yeah yeah for sure (laughs) (laughs) and uh before you go man we got we got i i think that maybe maybe after our discussion today we might be on the same page but we have to say do we think matthew wilder brought the one hit thunder or was he a one hit blunder i don't know man i kind of think this dude is thunder as fuck like (laughs) (laughs) i i I, uh you know thunder wild well once again did, you did know his name, Brett? You knew the name Matthew Wilder coming into this? I did only because I had to research it to find right. the the chords and the lyrics Okay. When I, when I learned it back in the day. I did not know who it was prior to doing research. And I almost typed his name as Matthew Strider like three different times when I was <laughs> writing the notes. So. That would have been a better name. <laughs> you know, Matthew Strider, the break my stride guy. Uh, but obviously the dude has maintained this awesome music career that and done so many different things. Yeah. I think Hey, and he didn't even have to get in a van. <laughs> no. This whole time. No. No. 4 decades yeah. later? Yeah, man. It's, it's all it's all been I don't, I don't know how much he toured in front of, you know, Break My Stride, but I mean after that pr- producing Milan, I mean he gets to hang out with his family and 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 do and do well. The the guy's the guy seems like a genius. If this TikTok keeps going, if this TikTok popularity keeps going, Matt Kelly's prediction of 2021, if this TikTok remains popular for, say, four more months, Matthew Strider is performing Break My Stride in the Macy's Day Thanksgiving Parade. I'm saying it right now. <laughs> I'm going to say it right. I'm going to say it right now that Matt's right in four months. If it if it continues, he is going to change his name to Matthew Strider, and he's gonna, and he's going to perform in the Macy's Day Parade his song "Break My Stride." This has been One Hit Thunder. One Hit Thunder is hosted by Chris Ophios of the bands Punchline, Pack, and Another Cheetah, and produced by Matt Kelly of Geekscape.net. Underneath me, you're hearing Express off the Punchline album Major Motion Picture. Listen for that DMX sample, RIP DMX. If you haven't yet, and you are listening to this the day it came out, this is the last day to donate to Brett's Kickstarter, so please find the link in our notes and make a quick donation. If you have any interest in podcasting for yourself, visit WeKnowPodcasting.com and see how Chris and I can help make your show sound as professional as possible. Let us know your thoughts on the show by emailing us at OneHitThunderPodcast at gmail.com, and make sure to rate, review, and subscribe to us on your favorite podcasting app. Tune in next week for another episode of One Hit Thunder. So I can't complain. The name is up, join the 
You're listening to the Geekscape Network. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, this is Aaron from No Simple Road. I'm inviting you to come hang out with Apple, Mel, and I as we talk with the musicians, artists, chefs, authors, and beyond from the world that turns us on. We're reaching into the improvisational music scene, the psychedelic culture, the festival world, and getting to know what makes the people tick that create those scenes. Come join us on the long, strange trip over at No Simple Road. 